Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie PA. This is Kathy. I'm your host, and this is episode 31, and this will also be part one. So this past weekend was a busy one. We were able to get our back area by our pool cleaned and redone. I'll post some pictures. Uh, It turned out really lovely. Lots of work, but we were going to be spending home um, this summer anyways by our pool because we just bought our house. But we figured, why not? Let's make it a peaceful place anyways, right? Right now, I just want you to sit back and I want you to think about the perfect couple. The husband is tall and handsome, athletic, has an amazing job. The wife is beautiful, smart. She could do whatever she wanted to do, but chooses to stay at home when she became a mother. No doubt about it. She's amazing at that also. And they have a beautiful home. The husband makes more than enough money to support his family. He became a doctor, of all things. They became, quite frankly, Joneses that everybody wants to try and keep up with. Then one night, it all came crashing down when, after a get-together with the next-door neighbors, the husband calls the neighbor and says that something has happened and he needs his help. Can he please come quick? Does this sound familiar? To some, it might. For those that it doesn't, sit right back and let's settle in. The husband in this case was Sam Shepard, and he was voted the man most likely to succeed by a senior high school class. Sam, like I said, was athletic, smart, good looking, and came from a good family. And when I post his pictures, you're going to see he was very handsome man. And Marilyn Shepard, she was attractive with hazel eyes, long brown hair. Sam and Marilyn began dating while they were in high school. And eventually, they married after Sam graduated from Los Los Angeles Osteopathic School of Physicians. Say that five times fast. See how it comes out. Talking's hard. In September of 1945, according to research that I've done, they were pretty much high school sweethearts. And then he went to school. In the research, it focuses on Sam, not so much Marilyn, but Sam. And with Sam, it just, it really doesn't hurt to be surrounded by the right family. Am I wrong? But at this point, the young couple, they had a four-year-old son named Samuel Reese Shepard. His nickname was Chip. And with a loan from Sam's father, the couple purchased their first home. Now, I have to say, maybe not the kind of first home that you or I would buy. But then again, I'm also not a doctor. I didn't have the chutzpah to go to medical school. So let's face it, it takes a special person to become a doctor or a nurse or anybody in the medical field. The home, it sat on a high cliff overlooking Lake Erie Shore in Bay Village. And if I'm saying Bay Village, it sounds familiar. Amy Mahalovic. That's why Bay Village sounds familiar. Bay Village was a semi-elite suburb of Cleveland, and Marilyn settled into the life of being a married wife of a physician. She was a mother, homemaker, and taught Bible classes at their Methodist church. 
and Marilyn was the picture of what a stay-at-home mother looked like in a magazine, at least to me from the research that I've done. But it wasn't all peaches and cream. Both Sam and Marilyn, they were both into sports, spent as much time as they could playing golf, water skiing. They had friends over for parties. And to those looking from the outside looking in, Sam and Marilyn's marriage seemed free of problems. But the truth of it was the marriage was suffering because of Sam's infidelities. And in my research, it shows that Marilyn knew about Sam's affair with a former Bayview nurse named Susan Hayes. However, according to Sam Shepard, and at this time, all we had was his word. Remember, Marilyn's dead. Although the couple experienced problems, divorce was never discussed as they worked to revitalize their marriage. And it could very well be. And you have to remember the time period. This was 1954. This was a time when women stayed home and took care of the home, their husbands, and were supposed to look their absolute best at all times. And if they and their husbands socialized, that could sometimes make or break his career if his wife couldn't be a a good or great hostess. To give an example, my mother had an older, better homes and garden cook. The copyright was dated around the late 1950s, early 60s. And the book, in the book, it went over the etiquette for just about everything, from how to set a table to your hus- to greeting your husband at the door. No joke. I shit you not. It went over everything. This actually went over that the house should be immaculate, in immaculate order, and that So should your hair, your makeup, nails, the whole nine yards. Kids should not be there. And that not only dinner, not only should dinner be hot and waiting for them, that you should have a cigarette ready ready and waiting for them and a martini in hand. Oh, and here's the best part. You're going to love this. But you are to keep your mouth closed until he gives you permission to speak. And this is after you put his slippers on his feet. Yeah, the fuck no on that one. I used to laugh my ass off at this all the time. But I also grew up in a time when you did have dinner on the table whenever the husband got home from whatever shift. My dad was a coal miner. But then again, my mom was a stay-at-home parent and we did the chores around the house and she was the primary caregiver. And that was what we knew growing up because that's what she knew. But that crap stopped when I got pregnant with my first child because I couldn't keep up with the weird hours that my now ex-husband at the time had because of gestational diabetes. I just couldn't keep my sugar regulated. So meals put in the fridge it was, and guess what? He survived. And that kind of misogynistic behavior until we as a family moved to Kentucky. We had friends over for Thanksgiving. And this couple we had over for Thanksgiving, they'd only been together for a couple months. And she had just given birth a few weeks prior. But the man expected her to get him a plate together, even though she still had her baby to take care of 
which was still a newborn at the time, which meant she was still nursing. And I'm like, um, no. And my now ex pulled me aside and said, look, this is the way it is down here. And I was like, well, it isn't that way in my house. No. So it was a really, really weird way to look at things. And I should say, this is no way in how I look at things for Kentucky. Being from the North, going to the South, you saw a lot of different things. Like back in that time frame, you didn't go to the Piggly Wiggly without having your hair done or your makeup on or in your PJs or in your sweatpants and stuff like that. This was in the late 90s, early 2000s. So, I mean, it was just one of those things. I was, I found out a lot of things about myself that I just went, wow, okay. So, but I digress. So let's get back to the case. With Sam and Marilyn, the lifestyle that they led to the outside, they had this happy, happy life. On this night, July 3rd, 1954, everything seemed to be going well. Then the worst thing imaginable happened. At 5.57 a.m. on the July 4th, the morning, 60 years ago, patrolman Fred Drenkman was dispatched to the Shepherd home. This is where the patrolman found the pregnant woman who had been beaten to death in the bedroom of the couple's Bay Village home. Now, how could this have happened? Who all was in the home? When did this happen? When interviewed, Sam Shepard stated that on the night of July 3rd, 1954, both he and Marilyn were entertaining their neighbors at their lakefront home, which had at this, at that time, been demolished in 1993. And I'm not going to give the address, but it was on Lake Road in Bay Village, Ohio, it, which is a suburb of Cleveland. And that's just west of the city. The property itself, a butts up the shore of Lake Erie, and it's near the northwest end of Huntington Reservation. Now, while they were, they, meaning the shepherds and their neighbors, they watched a movie called Strange Holiday. Sam himself had fallen asleep on the day bed in the living room, and Marilyn, she walked their neighbors out the door. You can look up the address on any numerous articles that I had found. I mean, it's even in wiki. Um, there is a case.edu shepherd case murder or shepherd murder case. You could find just about anything on this particular case, but you can find the actual address. If you look up that address now, the house that is there is not, like I said, the shepherd house. The house that is there is absolutely stunning. But what I looked up was to see what Sam would have saw in the back when he ran out of, and we'll get into this later, what would have happened later on, and we're going to get into that. In the master bedroom, Marilyn Shepherd laid there bludgeoned to death in her bed with an unknown instrument. The bedroom itself was covered with blood splatter and drops of blood that had been found on floors throughout the house. And some items from the house, including Sam Shepard's wristwatch, which we will find out about later, keychain and key, and it doesn't say key to what, the fraternity ring, which appeared to have been stolen, those items 
were later found in a canvas bag in some shrubbery behind the house. Also, according to Shepard, he had been sleeping very soundly on the day bed when he heard cries from his wife. Sam said he ran up the stairs where he saw a white form in the bedroom, and then he had been knocked unconscious when he awoke. He also said he saw the person downstairs. He then chased the intruder out of the house and down the beach where they tussled and Shepard was then knocked unconscious again. Now, please keep all of this in mind. This intruder had hit Sam Shepard not once, but twice, because this will come up later later on down the road um, in the trial and, and later on through this podcast, because I, I just want you to keep on keep this in your memory of him being hit twice and being knocked unconscious. Even though the patrolman was called at 5.55, at 5.40 a.m., the neighbors received an urgent phone call from Shepard who had pleaded with them to pleaded with him to come over to his home. And I kind of get it. It's understandable because remember, they have a son that is there. And with everyone that is about to show up, I'm thinking Shepard was going to think that they needed some help, but I don't necessarily agree with the order. I mean, you can call the police, then call your neighbors, because this is going to come back and bite him in the ass. Now, when the neighbor and his wife arrived, Sam had been found shirtless and the pants he had been wearing were wet with a blood stain on the knee. Now, you need to also keep that in mind about the blood stain. Authorities shortly thereafter arrive, and Shepard himself seemed to be disoriented and in shock. And rightly so. He had just found his wife dead and fought off an intruder and had been knocked unconscious twice. They also had a family dog, which had not been heard barking to indicate an intruder. And their seven-year-old son, Sam, Reese, Chip, Shepard, who had been asleep in the adjacent bedroom, slept through the whole ordeal. Now, why would the family dog not bark? There's a couple of reasons. One, the dog knew the person and didn't find him as a threat. Two, the person gave the dog treats. Three, the person who gave the dog treats put something in the treats. Could very well be. And, and I mean, I'm sure there's other things. As for the son, there are some kids that can just sleep through anything. I used to be one of them. As an example, I used to live with my sister and she was trying to get me up one time and I found my, and I had locked my door. I heard nothing, not a damn thing. And the next morning she asked me if I heard her pounding on my door. I said, no. And she said, you've got to be kidding me. I pounded on your door. I heard nothing. But after having kids, I hear everything or just don't sleep at all unless I've taken something to help me sleep. From then until now, it's a complete shift of how I sleep or don't sleep. So what exactly happened when Sam Shepard was interviewed by the police? He said that he had been sleeping downstairs when he awoke to his wife screaming. He ran up the stairs, chased the attacker, and fought with him on the beach of Lake Erie. Sam also said that he had been knocked unconscious and the killer escaped. While the police and the members of the press walked through the crime scene, Shepard was taken to Bayview Hospital for neck injuries from the struggle. Now think about what I just said there. Not just the police were going through the crime scene, but both the press and the neighbors were able to walk through it. And the press was able to take pictures while there. 
that would be completely unheard of today. People would be kept back and definitely no press. And any and all film would have been gone through to see if the police had missed anything. Now back at the house, the master bedroom, Marilyn was laying on the master bed, bludgeoned to death from an unknown instrument. And the bedroom itself, again, was splattered with blood and droplets were found throughout the house. Marilyn, it was made to look like it was a sexual attack. She had part of her shirt drawn up and her panties, if I'm not mistaken, pulled down to show some pubic hair. But that was about it. But there was no murder weapon found. So we have a beautiful wife, a mother who's pregnant, found bludgeoned to death, made it to look like a burglary gone wrong or even a drug theft or possibly a sexual assault. Even though these folks had some money, what was really taken and how much of it was it really worth? Was the person interrupted by Marilyn or was it by Sam Shepard? And if the actual deed was to kill Marilyn, why? Who would have wanted this woman who seemed to have been living the American dream dead? Was it Sam? He was having an affair with a nurse at the hospital, but this was also a time period when women didn't question their husbands. They would either look the other way and put up with it, or they would choose to leave. But then there went their financial stability. Unless, they're, unless they had some independent wealth of their own, that they inherited from family that their husbands couldn't touch. I mean, it wasn't like they couldn't get money from a divorce, but it was also very hard. Remember, Sam and Marilyn met in high school, and they married after Sam graduated from college. Back then, women did go to college, but not a lot went with the intention of getting jobs like today, or I should say, get a career. Some went to what is referred to go to as a finishing school. Some did go with the intent of getting a career, but back then, most women of a certain status, hope to attain a marriage either right after high school or while during college. So these two knew each other very well. Was it possible that Marilyn was having an affair of her own and it caught up with her? Just because she chooses to look the other way of her husband's attractions, does it mean another wife will or won't, however you want to look at it. And let's face it, we read about, hear about other people being killed for less. And being someone's mistress and being pregnant doesn't give you carte blanche to do whatever you want. Maybe Marilyn thought that she could get a little happiness this time around without any of the tie-ups that could go along with it. Remember, abortion was illegal at the time. Or could it have been Sam's mistress trying to get Marilyn out of the way, thinking that if she was, that it could be her turn to shine and could very well be. As a mistress, you have to tread very carefully. You cannot give too many demands and... When it comes to the D word, D-I-V-O-R-C-E, you better make damn sure that the man you're with, you're cheating with, isn't going to turn around and cheat on you with someone else. And because we all know, say it with me, once a cheater, always a cheater. Because a cheater never changes their spots. Because men like Sam would not have given up their money none too fast. The, these are things that will never change. And these are the things that we will dive into next week on the podcast when we get into the trial of Sam Shepard and how the media helped sensationalize the trial. I hope you enjoyed this first part of the story. It has a many what ifs. 
Please remember that this podcast is available on these platforms, podbean.com, iTunes, Spotify, and Facebook. We're also available on Twitter at All Things Erie from Erie PA and Instagram at K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y. All of my sources will be listed on Facebook. And if you like like to leave a comment on how we're doing, please feel free to do so on podbean.com, iTunes, Spotify, and Facebook. Also, I'll be posting pictures on Facebook and um, and Twitter and Instagram. And last but not least, please stay safe, healthy, and this is Kathy signing off.